This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains no spoilers, but does mention Mean Girls, Euphoria, 10 Things I Hate About You, and The Craft. For full lists, please see show notes. There are also discussions surrounding bullying, homophobia, and sexual assault. everybody and welcome to a court of fandoms and exploration your weekly deep dive into the ya literature and fandoms that we love i'm laura marie and i'm jessica marie and today today we are discussing jawbreaker which is i'm gonna say a cult classic it is it is uh from 99 and this is a um rewatch for me i have watched it a thousand times and Jess, this is only the second time that you have watched it. Yeah, I've only I've only this is only my second watch. And only because I mean I can't say only because I remember recently at my previous employer, one of my friends, he was like, What do you mean you haven't seen Jawbreaker? And I go, Well, it was always on the list and I love the the main song You Who and I just remember that. But I then by the time you get around to it, something else has already come out. So he get, we we did a movie night. It was like me, him, and his boyfriend, and we're like, we are we're watching Jawbreaker. And I mean, the second you find out Judy Greer is in it, Judy Greer is in everything. So I was I was sold. I was sold. More love for Judy Greer. Uh, you know she she is just as you were saying uh, when we were talking earlier. She's a character actress, but like really, she should she should be the lead. She's amazing. She's hysterical. Like we love. We love. Um, the cast here is really fantastic in Jawbreaker. But before we get into the movie, I have a question for you, Jess. My question for you is, um, did you have Mean Girls in high school? I'm sure we, you know, yes, we did. I had more Mean Girls in middle school. And then middle school is the worst. Middle, middle school, school is awful. It's awful. Awful. Ugh. And it translated into my freshman year because everybody came from the same neighborhood in the same middle school. And I was a transfer student um, who I got like to pl- I got placed into this school that was out of my district because of like academics and stuff. So I tested into the school that first, I mean, that first freshman year, I will never forget. I was the girl eating lunch in the bathroom and then like a sophomore adopted me and she's like, it's okay. So, I mean, then freshman year got good because I was with all the upper class. <laughs> nice. Very nice. But I think, I think I was kind of protected in a little bubble after that. I hate saying like, it's just part of high school culture it shouldn't be it shouldn't Shouldn't be be. but i think what helped is once i got in with the group of friends that i did even though it was happening on the outside i really had like a good group of friends that i you know didn't have any huge falling outs with um you kind of focused on that and not so much the negative stuff but like high school was better than my home life so it could have been awful at school and it still would have better been better than at home that's a really good point so I'm like, mm. yeah, it's like, huh, yeah, 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 huh. Um, so I br- I bring up Mean Girls because 
Mean Girls is uh, something that kind of is a reflection of Jawbreaker. We see we see a lot of Jawbreaker in Mean Girls, um, just like we see a lot of Heather's in Jawbreaker. You know, they're, everything's kind of... And it's all interconnected, right? And every high school cult classic movie, I mean, you see it, and then not just in these ones, I mean, you see it from Carrie in, like, the 60s and like, the horror movies. So it's an ongoing theme. The writer of Heather's was frustrated with this particular movie, Jawbreaker, saying, oh my gosh, they pulled so much from Heather's, blah, blah, blah. You could definitely tell watching Jawbreaker, there is such an homage to Heather's. That, and, of course, the director-writer of Jawbreaker was like, no, 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 like, I was paying, like, homage to it. I did not steal from Heather's. On the flip side, Mean Girls comes out, and he makes the comment, Mean Girls stole from me, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, calm down. Calm down. And I think we spoke about this in our 10 Things I Hate About You episode. Teen high school movie you have the slow-mo. Oh, and we talked about it in the craft, too. You have the slow-mo scenes. You have the friendship circles. You have the I own this school attitude when the only, like, you're only the main character in your head, not to everybody else. But in this movie, they are, I mean, every single social circle is scared of these this group. And you know what? And what a freaking group they are. Like, honestly... From start to finish. Yeah, I just, I am just, I'm overwhelmed with Courtney Shane. Like, Rose McGowan is shining here. Like, just glorious. Uh, just completely glorious. Um, Julie Benz, she is uh, Darla in B- Buffy for me forever. Like, oh! I was like, why, why do I know that name? Yeah, so you're like... I saw her as Buffy at a very, like, formative, or, like, in Buffy at a very formative age. So now every time I see her, I'm just like, oh. Uh, but I love seeing her like this. Of course, Rebecca Gayhart, of course. And I love her. She, that woman is one of the most beautiful people on this planet. She's stunning. One of my notes in here is how are her eyes real? She's just so, just incredible. Of course, Judy Greer. Um, Tatiana Ali, yes. Yeah, I think that was when she was trying to come out of her Fresh Prince, like trying to just get more work. At the same time, that was the year that she opened for InSync. She was like an opening act for InSync. Like she was just trying to branch out outside of her, you know, Ashley Banks persona. Interesting. I did. I did not know that. Uh, and also the uh, the 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 sister. The crazy sister from, I say crazy, the troubled sister from that 70s show. Uh, she is also in here in like a unnamed like bit part. Oh. I just think it's very interesting. Jeff Conaway is Marcy's dad. No, Oh my God. <laughs> uh, all, all of the like, hor- like, ugh, it's so good. Okay. Let's actually, let's actually talk about this movie. Uh, this movie opens. They are, okay. They are freaking 17. I have to. <sighs> Remind myself that they are 17. This is Liz Purr's 17th birthday. Okay. There is the classic, like, 90s car opening. It, it's it's so good with the camera and the music. Ugh. And the font. Like, just oh, the opening the font. Yes. But, okay, let's, let's say Liz is 17. It is Liz's 17th birthday. However, 
they are in their senior year. Mm-hmm. And many people are also 18 in the senior year, which you come to find out later in the movie because Rose goes to the bar. And as we know from growing up down south, at you know, for, I, I don't know if it's changed now, but 18 to enter, 21 to drink. Right, right. It's just, it's wild. It's wild. Ugh, it's wild. <laughs> I don't know. It's just wild. Um, I really, I really love this opening. The Polaroid camera. Are you kidding? Like, how fantastic. Which is still a thing now. So yes, a lot of just, the things that were in this movie between the fashion and the tech, I'm like, oh, like this, this could, this could be made right now. <laughs> well, and that is kind of part of it. Uh, this movie is timeless in a way. Uh, it, like so many fantastic movies, they are shot in a way where it could kind of be like ambiguous, but we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, something, okay. And then we have the opening credits. Something that kind of bugs me here in, throughout the whole movie is the, um, kind of comedic editing with the editing noises and, um, like, the, like with the tongue and the, the costume, yeah. I hated that. Yeah, like the tongue and and all of that kind of comedic like transition kind of stuff. Um, that was weird, right? It, and it didn't. It it felt like you you were watching something, and then you know when somebody has an app next to you, like a fart button or something like that's what it felt like. That there was an external audience member hitting a sound effects button. It didn't feel like it was organically integrated into the movie. It is it is just it is just I don't know. It's just really wild. Um I need to speak on their clothing. Their clothing <sighs> is phenomenal. It is fantastic. Uh so Jess, I told you that I discovered something about myself while I was watching this movie. This is what I discovered. I discovered that I wear strapless dresses with my bra and a cardigan. And I do that because of seeing Rose McGowan do that in this like red outfit that she has. Uh, so this came out in 99. I must have seen it, you know, right after that when it came out to like video or whatever, not to date myself. Uh, but that is something that I still do to this day. You are a big cardigan person with yeah. a dress, I know. And I have never seen anyone do that like this because because she's wearing like a bodice it's like a right. boned like corset and then it has the the bra and then and the at crop school, cardigan yeah too. and the crop cardigan and then she puts it over and then um miss uh, sherwood tries to like button her up she's like cover your bosoms this is a learning institution not a brothel which okay let's like as much as like i understand especially at that time this also goes back to the conversations of why are we censoring women's clothing because nobody's ever censoring yeah, again, it's 99, but it's still happening today in 20, what are we, 2022 now. Like, it's still, that conversation would still be had. However, after we watched, like, the second, the first episode of the second season of Euphoria, I was watching this, and they were, like, just, they didn't have any person, like, they didn't have backpacks, they didn't have, they just brought their purse to class, and I go, this is 1999 Euphoria. There you go. Oh, there you go. But then you could argue, you could argue they had lockers, so... Um, Rebecca Gayhart's character, um, Julie? Julie. Yeah. Julie. Julie. She was always bringing books to class. Like, she was good. I liked her. She's probably my, I know you love Rose McGowan. I loved Rebecca Gayhart's character. Yeah, I, I love Rose McGowan. Um, <laughs> I, I also like that Miss Sherwood says, be nice girls, which is just so funny because, uh, Rose McGowan is the meanest fucking person ever. Um, 
Did you notice that they were reading um, Macbeth in that Scottish play in uh, the classroom? I didn't, but I did notice. I was like, what is this? Because there's a there's a focus on the William Shakespeare poster in the back. And I go, there's a tell. There's a tell. What is happening that is so Henry, so William Shakespeare focused? Now I know. I was like, well, I'm looking for it and I couldn't find it. The, the Yeah, the book that... Um that the teacher is like talking about the to make everybody like kind of feel guilty after uh, they they do the the whole like cover up thing is Macbeth, which is really interesting. Uh, and this is the tongue sound effect that you hate. Macbeth is the play that our that was what Sleep No More was based off of the time we went right. Yes, we were like following the different characters. Okay. Yes. Okay. So now we are. Well, I do want to comment once more on clothes. All of the clothes are fantastic. These tights that are in these with the colored back seams that are in. Oh, my yes. God. And I read that the costume designer, like, hand, like, sewed them to, like, custom. Oh, my God. Like, amazing. Well, I read, and we'll have, like, the articles that we were reading in our show notes, um, that they didn't have a budget for clothing. So the costume designer would go to like thrift stores around LA and that there's this one store that's known for um, dollar Sundays and every article of clothing is a dollar and the entire wardrobe was thrifted. And the Darren Stein, the director slash writer of this said his only rule was nothing can be black. Incredible. Incredible. I also read that uh, everything is kind of like um, shiny, kind of, and light bondage-y, kind of. Yeah, like, I think I saw reference to Fredericks of Hollywood, too. Yeah, just incredible, incredible, incredible. Um, So, we need to talk about the gross part of this movie. The gross part of this movie is this fabricated, I'm going to say it, capital R, rape scene. What is this? This is so gross here. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. So I know we're setting up Courtney as like a sociopath, right? And like Marcy is her henchman. We're getting that. And, and this is the, this is the pulling away, right? This is Julie really separating herself from everybody. But holy crap, this whole, like uh, the fake, the fake scene that they set it up. Yes. As if Liz was sexually assaulted, but it was really, um, Rose McGowan, uh, Courtney, Rose McGowan's character, consensually having sex with the person from the bar who is Marilyn Manson, who she was dating at the time. We'll get into that later because because it's, <laughs> it's gross. Um, but yeah, this and then they sit there and they're like, okay, like, well, if this were happening to me, then I would do this. So let's do this to the panties, and we can't do this to the sheets. So let's do this to this, and like, let's do. Th- oh my god, the way that they staged it, everything is so premeditated. Yeah. yeah, it's just so gross. Like, oh my god, it's it's just so gross. Um, I will admit here that I have slowed this down and watched over and over and over and over and over again. I cannot see Courtney's finger on that fucking button to record her saying, to record her saying her, her, her damning, um, I killed Liz. I killed the dream, teen dream. Deal with it. I cannot see her finger on the record button on the card during the scene. I wonder, I don't know if it, because initially I think it was, they were like, oh, this card is from last year and it had a previous message. So I don't know at what point, like, if by opening it 
a certain time, like wipes the old message. No, you have you re- to like hold the button to record. Oh, so like okay. I'm looking for her finger like on the button and it's not, it's like, there's no way, but there's a few plot holes in this movie. <laughs> That's just one of them. Uh, the other would be like, these girls would have their fingerprints and their hair and just like everything all over everything. They'd be in her car. Like I had some questions where they're in, they're in LA, they're in SoCal. Like they're leaving their friend's body in the back of a trunk in SoCal heat. How? That how is nobody smelling anything? How is nothing leaking from the car? I just have a lot of like SVU type questions going on. That and then when they're carrying her back, I'm thinking like, how has the rigor mortis not set in? But then they try to make a comment of like, oh, she's so stiff. I'm like, how are you bending any part of her body right now? That they positioned on the bed, then to find out that Courtney moves it under the bed for the after bar scene to bring it back onto the bed. Oh my god! I know it's just so much. It's so much. All in heels. Why is nobody? Nobody. It like be practical, right? Like when you're like that. This whole thing. I guess there are isn't. Isn't that a statement though? Like anything you can do, I can do in heels. Better but in heels, yeah, yeah. Like screw you, I can do it. And what they're in like six, they're in high platforms and open toed. Like they're open toed, yeah, yeah. Like mm, these are strong, strong ass women. Um, Okay, so while Courtney and and everybody is like staging this scene, uh, we meet Fern for the first time. We we meet Judy Greer as Fern, and she comes into the office. Miss Sherwood asks Fern to take Liz's homework to her. And Fern says such a cringy line here. But it kind of... Yeah, she's like, (laughs) you mean meow? I was like, no. 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 She's like, you because Liz is the cat's meow. It's like, ew, no. No. But it's like also, an embarrassment for her, but it moves the story along. It but does. then but then you already know where she's at at that point. Yeah. Because she makes perfect that comment. Line. Oh, yeah. You know it's 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 the line that gets her she goes, Oh, okay, I'll bring her her homework. And even Miss Sherwood goes, Okay, hold on and she turns around, she goes, I didn't even give you her address. Yeah. Yeah. And part of me is like that's very cringe like I feel like it could it could and I thought of it two ways because part of me is like that's very cringy that you know where this person is. I didn't give you a, their address because that the Miss Sherwood knew who the friends were, who knew who Liz's friends were, who the core friends were. The other part of me is like if she was that popular and in a small town, a lot of people know where other, you know, like I feel like when you go to a smaller high school or a smaller class, everybody, you might not have gone to that person's house, but you know where people live. Oh, they live here. Oh, they live there. So... That's the other part of it. It ties in very nicely to the point that we spoke of um, before this that will I will bring up again. Okay, um, but it sets it, but it sets up Fern's character absolutely. You know it right yeah. there, just, but it gets just solidified. Perfect. Yeah, yes, just just so perfect. Um, I don't like the trope of the teacher in the shitty car. 
That is just me. I don't like that. Why do we have to keep like making that a thing? Give teachers a nice car. Come on. I think because everybody knows that pe- teachers are paid shit even then. Like it wasn't like this newfound concept. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Jess, was it you who told me recently that you do not like a makeover trope or do you not like a clothing try on trope? I don't like the the the, the trope, the try on trope. Like I don't like I don't like the the change. I don't like those montages, but I love like I hate I hate those montages, but I feel like it's not complete without the montage. So how did you feel about about this kind of makeover situation that happens here? With her thing, I just, it was very campy and I love, I love a camp. Kind of scary, right? Like, so I, I was reading one of those articles and I think it was the director said that he very much thought of Fern and Violet as Courtney's like monster. So like this was like she a, was. Oh, and this was like a Frankenstein, like a Frankenstein right. situation. So that's why she was like on the table. And there was like a doctor, like yeah. it was all, it wasn't necessarily Courtney manufacturing it. It was a doctor and a lab coat. Like it, yeah. Yeah. So like for, for Frankenstein vibes and I, knowing that, like it absolutely makes sense in like so many ways. Um, just, uh, so Judy Greer. As Fern is amazing. Judy Greer as Fern as Violet is just this next level amazing like situation. So if we're going to talk about clothing here, um, I want to stop and talk about skin because Judy Greer and Rose McGowan have the most beautiful like pale like glowing pale complexions here i don't know it was just like show-stopping to me they have great complexions i feel like anybody who has a light complexion and then peroxide bleach blonde hair it always makes you look washed out i it's just like when people tell you like there's a when people are trying on different red lipsticks and not you have to find your shade of red that doesn't mean you can't rock red you just have to find your like I do blue undertones in my reds and I know you usually use like a more of like an orange undertone because that's that's just what works for us I feel like the same thing needs to be said for blondes like that but I, I understand that it was 99 it was LA that was a look that was not only was it a look it was a statement I also have a problem like they create like you know the part where everybody finds out that Villette is um is fern very mean girls yeah it's very mean girls you have everything plastered everybody finds out and and then they created this whole character like oh have you met violette why why did you not just say oh this is fern everybody knows fern and they just and you know and you know and then there's the other trope of oh man fern like you grew up or like you like the glow up you know everybody loves a glow up that whole like so many things could have been avoided if that's how it was. Like, oh, I didn't recognize. I understand that that's the plot. That's the whole thing. Blah, blah, blah. I understand that that's part of the storyline. But you know when you this goes to when we rewatch things or we reread things and you just think of, this could have been avoided. And then we could have carried on. Because then Fern wouldn't know. She, you know when people are like, oh, she hasn't been in class for a couple days. So that made her a suspect. No. Fern just dyed her hair. I did never understand why, like, like the teachers 
where all of a sudden, like, who is this stranger? (laughs) What? You all, like, fucking blind? Like, she, she got a haircut and dyed her hair. Like, she's the same. Like, come on. You're the teacher. You should know this. I understand, like, high school boys not, like, I understand that. I understand the high school boys, but the teachers, those are the ones where I'm just thinking, Fern, Fern, oh, Fern. And they would have made the comment, oh, you cut your hair. Oh, you did your hair. It looks so nice. And then roll call into the next person. I also think, though, that maybe she was, like, sucked in to Courtney's whole, like, right? Because, like, if Courtney, Courtney, like, creates her and she's giving her this, like, whole new, like, name, right? And kind of making her into the... Uh, a mini her. Well, then when she gets, quote unquote, out of control, like Marcy says, Marcy's like, she's getting out of control. And Courtney says, but she's the same girl on the inside. Like, she's still, she might look different on the outside, but she she still has those insecurities. And you see it right away. A little kind of um, continuity thing that I thought was really nice is that Julie has, like, this glass art kind of in the back of her room. And in the beginning of the movie, Liz has the same style glass art in her room, but it's like eyes or whatever. And I thought that was really interesting because it it goes ahead to like reinforce the fact that Liz and Julie were closer. So like in the group of four, it was like Liz and Julie that were like really good friends. And then it was Marcy and Courtney and then like all together Right. They like, were but friends. you know how there's some friendships where you can have like a group of friends and then you can kind of pocket away and like different and different pairings and then some you have some groups where they only function as a whole. It's clear to what you said, uh Courtney or Julie and Liz would have been they would hang out on their own or Marcy and Courtney would hang out on their own. But I don't necessarily see Julie and Courtney hanging out on their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I think that just kind of like reinforces with the 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 nice little background there. But and that's I wonder because you know Julie calls Fern, be like, oh, remember that time in fourth grade? And of course they're like, oh, time is funny. And I kind of like where Julie pushes or Fern pushes back. She goes, no, people change. Like yeah. time is time. I liked that. But then I, you also know that, and then, but then when they did the slow mo, mo walk, Liz is the only one who helps Fern. So I feel like maybe when they were younger, they were like this little, you know, threesome group that was just all really close to each other. Because middle school is fucking brutal. We're like <sighs> making up middle this middle school. school background for I them. I hate but... middle. I would never. You know, people there. You know how people. Some people are like, I would never go back to my high school i would never do like therapy they have and i'm not discrediting like there are people who have awful awful traumatic high school experiences that was me for middle school okay so if we're if we're going in order of the movie we have made it to the kinky popsicle scene just how do we feel about the kinky popsicle scene here i love it i maybe it's because like katie robert has been like the sole author that i've been reading the last couple weeks it's very empowering i don't even think i don't even think courtney's character like rose mcgowan's character courtney she was like oh i'm into kink i don't think she was i think she just like loved the power that she had over him fair fair um (laughs) I love when the doorbell rang. He's like, oh, 
I just love that shit. He's like, don't go. She's like, don't come. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah. God, it's just, it's so funny. And then the whole, like, close up on him as he just goes to town kind of on that popsicle yeah. is uh, very, very nice. Very nice. We. <laughs> We like that you don't see that a lot. No, no, because it's always something for the from a male gaze, and I feel like in a way that was the, the female gaze, and I and I and also communication. Do to this what you want me to do to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And he's like I sticky. Have, maybe, maybe this is just like a, a teen thing, a teen movie thing. But how are nobody's parents ever? <laughs> There, well, well, and that kind of goes actually into a right what I'm talking about is uh, kind of the next kind of cut from that is Marcy, Foxy, Foxy, having Foxy. dinner with her dad. Um, and her dad asks a very important question. So when Foxy goes and she has dinner with her dad, her dad asks a very important question. Her dad asks, is your child a follower? You're a follower. And you know what? If you kind of just like think about that, that's kind of deep to be in a teen movie about yeah. this because like Marcy very much clearly is a follower, like a thousand percent. She's the Karen. She's not like Karen, you know, Karen Boomer Karen, but Karen of Mean Girls. Yeah. Yeah. And this scene is very. Right. Very. Um, and but- let's talk about like the male, to- like the male toxicity that like when she goes, oh, he goes, I was watching Oprah this afternoon. She goes, oh, so now you're being the mom. Like, I yeah. didn't like that. I mean, granted, I don't want to make excuses. I don't. But it was 1999. And that was clearly, you know, male toxicity and like men can't have feelings. And, you know, that must be a woman thing. Yeah. So I do think that that's important to know that you can be both. <laughs> like, yeah, and and it's a dad like trying to be like open and having a conversation there, like so right. many- and like know his kid better, knowing that he's the only parent in her life. Yeah, so you know she is very mean to him, but that isn't character for her. But it is kind of a nice little like scene there that is. I don't know. It, I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of nice. Which also comes full circle at the prom scene because at some point it almost seems like there's a disconnect between Marcy and Courtney. And now she's hanging with Villette's friends mm-hmm. like Tatiana Lee, the other girl. Um, she's sitting on her prom date's lap. And now she's following what that crowd is doing because Courtney's doing something else with her. Like it was just, it felt very... for full circle because we already knew that and it's just solidified later again also kind of like with Gretchen Wieners and Mean Girls where she starts befriending a new group and starts following that new group also at the end I just want to say if we're talking about things that were like kind of plot holes in this movie that the principal would never go and disclose the cause of death oh I thought that was so weird not just what? that but like the announcement of it too yeah i'm sorry no no that's not how that works and that's not how that would have worked in 99 uh it's you know it was just like a whole thing but it gives us the very classic high school bleacher shot which is very extended of rebecca gayhart just like pondering in in this bleacher situation and um you know it's classic we love it we love it we love it it's art right it's art um and then we get a great quote. Um, what is it? It's like some of the sweetest candies are death inside, which of course is just fantastic. And then we get to meet what's his name, Zach. Zach. 
I like Zach. Zach? I like Zach immediately. Zach looks like Ethan Hawke, like young Ethan Hawke. You cannot, you cannot convince me it is not young Ethan Hawke. I thought it was interesting that obviously, you know, he approaches Julie. She's going to get on the bus and then they have like, there's communication. He's like, you know, she tells him all like the BS that goes on with like girls and mean girls and stuff. And he goes, when you're with them, I would have never just felt comfortable enough to approach you. You're very intimidating. Um, you're very intimidating as a core. You know? <laughs> yeah, rightfully so. I would have been intimidated by those girls. Um, and I like that they're able to talk. Then I think it's funny that they're kind of keeping a really, I, I don't know if it was intentionally done, but their relationship is very, He's a theater major. He's in the drama club. Like, that's his focus. And they keep their... It's very church and state. They have a very school is school. And we have Mm -hmm. our relationship after. And which leads Courtney and Marcy to believe that he's single and he has nothing else going on to set up Violet. And I just thought that was so interesting. I go, they're going to... They're going to lose their shit when they find out that they're together is what I thought. Zach ticks all the boxes here, right? No, yeah. Great hair, great car, takes her to the old drive-in, right? Like just how about like there's a couple scenes where like they just he goes, This is where I go when I don't want to be found, when I just want to think. She goes, Well now I know I can find you. Or like when they just go to sit on his car the roof mm-hmm. of his car or the hood of his of his car. She goes, Oh is the seat like it's just it's those boxes that sweet, you want in yeah, high school. It's like sweet. a sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet. It's very new. It's very fresh. Then let's and then she tells him the truth. And instead of him freaking out, he goes, Well, how do we handle this? King! Yep. We love yep. it, King. We love it. How do we tackle this problem together? This isn't a you thing, and I'm not putting this on you either. Like, let's talk about it. We love it. Uh now we have made it to the point in the movie where I want to circle back and have a conversation about Fern okay, as Violet. And this is when we meet Vera, the detective, and she starts questioning everybody about Liz's death. And Fern, Violet, comes in and starts talking to Vera and says all this, like, wild shit about... The freckles on the back of Liz Purr's neck. And she has <laughs> Very like, LaRue. Yeah. And she has this <laughs> monologue about how she was like looking, she would connect the dots and make different constellations. Like how, if you're a detective, how are you not red flag, red flag, yeah. red flag? <laughs> yeah. Huge red flag. So. So this is, we get this really long monologue uh, of the freckles thing. That is weird. It's weird. You know what's weird about it? It's because the monologue isn't just, it's like her, she was having like this out of body moment where she wasn't just talking. She was fantasizing. Yeah. So I bring this up because when we go back to when Fern is like introduced and she's like, you know, uh, you know, Liz Purr is the cat's meow. You mean meow, like cringe, like please no. But, and that establishes her character. And now, even as Fern is her persona, Violet, she is still like dialed in 
to this kind of weird obsession with Liz Part, right? Even after seeing her body. Yeah, even after seeing her dead body. So there is something here. What is it that is here? I feel like it can go... Mm, I don't know. I We talked about it a little bit, trying to just figure it out. Because it could be perceived that she has this, you know, she's in the closet. It's not something that's being discussed. It's 1999. You have, I mean, in just this movie in general, there's a ton of homophobic slurs. and Not even slurs, but like, yeah, slurs and slurs. references. Yeah. Um, so is it that type of depiction of, because even they go, oh, Fern, you're such a, she, Fern and Liz, Liz is such a good friend. Liz has only, at this point, if we look at the facts that we know, we only know that Liz has helped her once. This is not talking about, like, the whole threesome friend group that we were refer- we were discussing, possibility that we were discussing earlier. All we know is that Fern sits behind her- Liz in class. Liz has helped her pick up her, her books or whatever once. And Fern is infatuated with her, whether it's romantically it, it kind of skews that way. But then you have, there are depictions of people being obsessed with other people, not in a romantic way, but they are literally like, I'm so obsessed with you. I want to be you. Or you're like the the girl crush. That doesn't mean I have a romantic or sexual interest. I just, it's just, I don't know how it was trying to be depicted. I feel like it was trying to lean towards she was in the closet because it was 1999. And then you have the slurs, especially towards Fern and Julie at the prom. Um, it's it's It could go either way, but I just feel that Fern was in love with this person who showed her kindness at the end of the day. She was isolated as a person and she was shown, it's kind of like, but except... Liz wasn't Tamlin. Like, the whole thing was, Liz was perfect. She was just where Courtney ruled with fear. Liz ruled with kindness. She was just a good person. And Fern wasn't shown that ever. Well, and Courtney does say that, you know, uh, Liz is dead. Be her replacement. So, you know, there's that whole kind of thing, too, where it's like, this is Fern's, like, opportunity to kind of become her version of Liz, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just like a really interesting conversation because then, like, you kind of go into. We were talking earlier about movies like, um, like we were talking about Swim Fan and mm-hmm. like when, like Fern here, you can see where she could take this too far, right? Like if if circumstances were different and Liz was still, you know, alive, like that could get weird. It's like when you're given a choice. And, like, do you choose this path or you choose this path? There's a fork in the road. She didn't choose the Liz path. She chose the Courtney path. Yeah. It, it's really, it's really interesting. I don't know. I would love to, to, like, um, see what other people think here. So, like, we obviously can't be casual fans of something, but when, when does it get weird? When does it, yeah. when does it get, when does it get weird? Like, when you're imitating, cause we're talking you, like, imitation is the best form of, like, flattery. Right, right. And then it's like, what, like you said, what point is it? Because it's not just swim fan. Then you have the roommate, which is kind of like that with uh, Minka, Kelly, and Leighton Meester. Then you also have Ingrid Goes West with Aubrey Plaza and Lizzie Olsen. At what point is it like, whoa, 
whoa, this is this is a little much. And we don't know because, you know, they killed we, we Courtney. Yeah. Um, but it's just yeah. such an interesting conversation um, of how far is too far and who creates that line. Well, this is a very good pivot to how far is too far. Um, Marilyn Manson is in this movie, which is a mm. huge, like, thumbs down here. <sighs> boo, hiss, boo this man. Tomato, tomato, tomato. <laughs> Tomato, tomato, tomato. I'm throwing tomatoes. Um, he's awful. His name is Brian. He um, doesn't have his makeup on here. He was dating Liz McGow- or, uh, Rose McGowan at the time. He he is gross. He is gross. He is gross. I have nothing to say. He's disgusting. Go to There's jail. No, yeah, I have nothing go to, to jail. say. Like, yeah, yeah. He, next. Yeah, we acknowledge he's in it. He needs to go to jail. I want to talk about the phenomenon of nipples in 90s movies. There were a lot of fucking nipples in this movie. Nipples in the 90s. Um, if you are saying, Laura Marie, what the fuck are you talking about? Free Go the nip. rewatch Friends and look yeah. at Rachel and tell me you don't see her fucking hard ass nipples all the time. No bra. Yeah, no there was bra. something in the air in the 90s where the nipples were cold. everywhere. Chill. Everyone that was, was like, cold. had to be. Everyone was cold wearing online bras um, because the nipples are are wild here as well. Yeah. And like, I was weird question. I'm kind of there's one outfit. I mean, there's a lot of outfits, but material wise, I'm wondering if it's prosthetics because Rose McGowan's wearing a sweater, a sleeveless sweater, and you see her nipples cold. When I think it's polyester, when you think of wool or wool, like, you should be able to be braless with wool and nothing poke through. Maybe it's very cold. Maybe, like, maybe that's just her nipple type. I don't know. This is... <laughs> we're going into deep. This is just taking a conversation I did not know you were going to have. Well, it and, and I, I mean it. Go back and watch 90s movies and yeah. look for the nipples. They are everywhere. Um, and we, always in a baby doll tee. Oh, always. So we get something really fantastic here. We get Zach. We get Zach saying this, like quote of like <laughs> sports and drama are like what is it like stripes and plaids stripes and plaids they don't mix it's like oh zach but that was his key that was his key because she was trying to be like oh i'm so popular i'm like head cheerleader bitch you don't even have a pom-pom in the back of your car and then she's like i've seen you increase twice and that was his like yeah he was wait. like oh, wait she's a second. new how the hell has she seen? And that was when he goes to Julie and he goes, I have a question. Who the hell is this girl? Because shit's not lining up. No, not lining up at all. Uh, I really like, obviously, like, I like this this power play between Courtney and uh, Violet slash Fern. Uh, but I like when they're underestimating Fern and she's like really coming into her own here mm-hmm. and and she's in the like bright pink colors and she has her own like like wild montage and she gets the car and she's like on the car. When she locks that. What about when she locked when they when because I was looking at the curb I go technically isn't that faculty part, parking and then I see somebody wrote like Courtney's spot or something. So that's yeah. where Courtney pulls in and then Violette locks them in I like that. I also am curious about Violet's parents because for on you know the first day she's walking 
to Liz's house to drop it off. And then all of a sudden, her parents were like, oh, you're hot now, so you get a car? I doubt that that's how it happened. Yeah, and the mechanic just, like, gave her a car for making <laughs> out with him. It's, it's just funny. It's just funny. Let's, we can't think about it. We can't think about it. Also, like, good for her. Like, all you had to do was kiss somebody and you got a car? Uh, one of my favorite scenes in here is the... um the takeover kind of scene, the confrontation, one of the confrontations between Violet and Courtney, and this is the one in the bathroom. Okay. When she's like, when Courtney pushes her, like, don't yeah, forget who like, made like, you. Push, she like pushes yeah. her against the bathroom mirror like twice. She's like, bam, bam, bam. And then Violet starts like smoking. And then, and then, um, Courtney says the, the Frankenstein line would, or no, no, the, um, the, the Rocky Horror line, which is like, you know, I made you, I brought you into this world. Like, I can take you out too. Um, so that's really good. I just really like it. And I like the colors that they're both wearing and like this, this, the cigarette and just, uh, and then Courtney gets so angry. She just like puts her hand in like Marcy's face and like smears her lipstick. It's just really good. Uh, I really enjoy it. Um, the mean girl plastering of the photos. Um, it is just, it is very teen movie, but like, Fern Violet faints, and I think I would too. I would just, I don't, I don't. Oh God! Then how unrealistic is it when she faints a second time, and then you find her wrapped up in the in her posters, like as a blanket? And I'm thinking, where the hell is the are the administrators just leaving this student on the ground? Well, and that brings up a really good point because. Um, that is in my notes right here. So my first note says Rebecca Gayhart's eyes are gorgeous. <laughs> um, the second note says, oh, my God, the janitor in the background. So, <laughs> so Julie and Courtney are having their confrontation in the hallway. Um, and they're, you know, they're, they're going back and forth in the background of this, like very tense conversation is a janitor just like sweeping up the posters and he kind of like <laughs> turns and looks and then like goes back to, it is really funny. That's like, I don't know if you ever watch Scrubs, but there's a yep. character, the janitor, the and janitor, that's exactly yeah. like, he's just like in everybody's business. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it was just, it's just so funny. Um, so that confrontation scene is a really good scene. Uh, and then we kind of like go into like prom um because julie gets a box of liz purse stuff and in there is the card and we find out that courtney held the button down plot hole uh, and recorded herself saying that she killed liz so then they go to prom i really like how julie was in her pajamas and then she's like oh no no i'm gonna go to prom now and just like immediately went to prom i have a loophole that really was, you know, how there's the line, I killed Liz, and then you, and it's two different voices, and it clearly, the second part is clearly Courtney, where she goes, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Everybody takes it as Courtney is saying, I killed Liz, deal with it. There's two different voices there. Like, that just, I was like, how... Everybody's like tomato, tomato, tomato with Rose McGowan. And I go, but she didn't admit that she killed him. Killed her, Liz. Public opinion. Cause they I know. were like, that's her voice. Wait, we're, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting ahead. We're getting ahead. We're getting ahead. Um, the gay bashing. There is so, there is so much, especially at the prom. Like, whoa. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, but also, I, just, I just hate it. I hate it so much. Like, I hated it then. I hate it now. I don't think there's an excuse for it ever. You know, I hate when people, you know, people try to make the excuse, oh, it was the 90s. And yes, I understand that, like, maybe it was accepted. But I mean, clearly it was accepted. It was made. But it doesn't make it okay. And especially with, like, the recent, like, you think of, oh, it's a generational thing or it's a this thing. And then people come out, especially with... um people find it you know like with betty white where she she had um a a black actor on her show or something and they were like we're gonna cancel you and she was like fucking deal with it it's my show you know like that's the right like you all are fucked not me so i think it's a perfect example of it's not a generational thing it's just a like racists and bigots and homophobes and trans like everything it's it's an individual thing because not everybody's like that not everyone is like that they are like that in this movie. They are. No, I know. I know. Ooh. I just, I get really frustrated because you're like, As you, you can't should. say, like, you can't say like, oh, but it was okay. It was never okay back then. And it was never okay. Just because you thought you were okay with it doesn't mean others are. are. Sorry. I'm very heated. As you should be. As you should be. And you are absolutely right on all points. As usual. As usual. Yeah. And well communicated points as well. <laughs> I love this prom. For a lot of reasons. I love this prom because it was where Buffy was shot in 92. And I fucking love Buffy. That's one of my favorite movies. Luke Perry, R.I.P. My So-Called Life. Yeah, My So-Called Life is in there, too. The Donnas are playing. I was going to say the Donnas were playing. <sighs> it's amazing. I the Donnas were in this movie. And then, I mean, they're such a dis- they have such a distinct sound. Um, who knows what happened to the Donnas? But they're also in um, Drive Me Crazy, which I know you haven't. Did you watch it? Yeah. You have watched. There was one that was, you were like, I have not watched it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to make you watch it, but it's really good. Yep. Um, I know that one. I loved them and drive me crazy. I like this prom because it looks like a real prom. It looks kind of shitty, right? Because they didn't have a budget. And there isn't a big choreographed dance scene. There isn't like a... Was you, your prom uh, at the gym? My prom was at a um, military place. Okay. My senior prom. Yeah, it was at like a military place. Um, everything else was at the like local like college like auditorium, whatever. Oh, okay. Um, but it. But I like this because like it's it's the gym. It looks real. It doesn't. It's not like in a castle. You know, it's not. It's not like over the top. And um, these dresses. Whoa, buddy, these dresses. <laughs> um, but the symbolism here with Rose McGowan's hair is just really fantastic. I really love it. Um, so Rose McGowan is in the silver dress, right? Beautiful, beautiful silver dress. And her, her hair, hair is like tightly wound, right? She, she is up in like kind of a crown situation with the silver, like, re- like all around. Like there. very regal. It's yeah. like, yeah. But I know we're going with this, right? Like completely under wraps. She is all tied together. She is in control. She is like a, like a statue. She's a silhouette, right? But then at the end of that, she's mm-hmm. like literally clawing her hair like out. Unraveling. Yeah. It's literally the unraveling of her empire in front of everybody. It's very symbolic. And yeah. so like it, it, it's art, you know, it is so good. It's lovely. And the slow-mo and then with the hands with, with Rose and she's like pulling like at her skin. It's uh-huh. amazing. Uh, I read that they like strapped her like down for and, and so they could get like a slow... Oh. And they oh. so they pushed her. Um, okay. so I was wondering how arms, fluid yeah. that 
that yes, scene so that, was. They were like pushing her so that she would have her arms and she could like do all of that. But she didn't have to worry about like walking. Okay. But I thought that was really great. I, I love that like Zach is also like kind of a hacker and like put this card into the thing. Da, 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 da. Let me switch the aux cord real quick. Yes. Let me put on my hacker hat. But that's a lot for 99. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> like okay. Okay, buddy. All right. He's like, I might have done something bad. Okay. Okay. Okay, Zach. Um, so that that was fun, you know, when the speech, you know, it was very care, you know, it was just, it was very yeah. good. It was very good. Uh, I, I just like it. And then at the end uh, with the Polaroid, you know, we're all full circle here. And I think the music is, yeah, fairy tales can come true. Uh, it's just, it's just really good. And then it ends and then it ends. It's like, and then, you know, what is high school? What is a friend anyway? And that's how it ends. So it's a very dark comedy, I would say. Yeah, I don't consider, I guess they like, try to say it was some sort of horror but it didn't feel like it feels like a like a dark like it's definitely dark humor yeah i yeah i could see i yeah but i wouldn't consider it like a scare i feel like because of the murder subject mm-hmm. that yeah. could be why they kind of make it like oh it's like it can't be horror or like kind of yeah like b-list kind of thing i don't know i i really i really like it uh, as I said, I watched it when I was very young, very formative, and I have, like, modeled my life around it, and I did not realize it uh, with my clothing. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Jess, you were giving me some facts about the costume designer. I love... There were so many fun facts that I found, and again, we'll have, the no- like, the websites in our show notes. Um, the Vicki Barrett... Barrett created the iconic outfits, um, and she also worked on costuming on Clueless, like the original Clueless movie, and Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. So that was, ninety, respectively, like 95 and 97, and then she came on for this project. Um, I said like some of the other comments, you know, facts earlier in the episode. I just... I don't, I maybe, you know, you know how when people make quote, when you talk, when you think of period pieces, um, everybody automatically thinks of the 1800s and earlier, no matter when you make them, those almost always seem like a classic because they never feel outdated. And I feel like this movie, granted, some of the subjects and stuff were dated and like the the language is dated, but the style is not. And I don't know, like, I feel like any time watching that, whether it came out in 99 or it's 2000, you know, and 22 now, None of that style, like, I would still wear capris and a crop, like, to this day. Oh, yeah. No, to this day, I would wear all of that. Yeah. Uh, everything, everything that everybody was wearing, except for maybe, like, the sunglasses. I wouldn't do the sunglasses. The light, lens, like, the yellow, like, lens. with. Oh, like, I didn't the, like that. But no. the butt, that's out. Like, they have that. Like, mm-hmm. you can buy those on ASOS right now. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm. Oh, oh. And then there was this pair of beautiful. They were like loafer platforms that Rebecca Gayhart is wearing when she's pick. I remember because I was like, oh, I want those. She's crouching to v- Fern on the floor after she's like wrapped in her poster and she's wearing these platform penny loafers. But the platform is leopard print and then it's like a black penny loafer mm. and she's wearing them with the capris, I think. And I just go. Where can I find those shoes? And I know I can't find them because they were probably a dollar at some thrift sale. Oh, wow. That's, that's they were amazing. so, you know, my love for, you know, I love a leopard print and I will fight that leopard print is a neutral. It is. And your mom was like, 
shocked when yeah. I she's like, oh my god, her life is strange. It's genius. It is. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely neutral. We will fight you on this. I will say there were some really interesting quotes and fun quotes. Like, I guess the quotes were more facts. So this movie had a three point five million dollar budget, which is which is nothing. Um, I mean. It's a lot of money for us personally, but for a Hollywood budget, that's nothing. And it only grossed $3.1 million in theater. So it didn't even break even. So it lost money making this. And of course, that's the initial thought. But now here we are in 2022. And it's not so much because it's still talked about. But um, Rose McGowan was quoted saying, like, in reference to the initial failure, quote unquote failure, that was Jawbreaker is the studio had to decide to put their money for advertising behind either Jawbreaker or Can't Hardly Wait, which also came out, I guess, that same year. And she goes, they fucked up and chose Can't Hardly Wait. I'm sure it's remembered affectionately by the people that liked it. But please, which is the superior film? Let's be real. One had a cultural impact. And I... I I saw Can't Hardly Wait ma- once. Hmm. I can't tell you anything besides Jennifer Love Hewitt is in it. Oh, see, I could write like papers on Can't Hardly Wait. I've seen it a thousand times. Uh, of course Jen- you have. Jenna Elfman. Jenna Elfman. Jenna Elfman is an angel oh. in that movie. Uh, I, I the the Jennifer Love Hewitt's layers her hair is fantastic oh. throughout that whole movie. She's always had good hair. Freaking LFO wrote a song about her. Yeah. Uh, what, what was I going to say? I was going to say in 2017, it was rumored that there was going to be a remake of Jawbreaker. And at this time, Barbie, for, uh, who plays Kat on Euphoria, said that she wanted in. Uh, she wanted in. She wanted to be part of this. Like Jawbreaker was one of her favorite things. Um, but this remake has gone nowhere. It is dead in the water. So well, same thing with the conversation that they were going to put this as a, a musical, set it to a musical in 2020. And while well, we know where the last two years have been. So that didn't necessarily come to fruition either. Yeah. It's just, it's really wild. So it is. Um, you know, I guess like millennials are, we're like very nostalgic, you know, we are pulling all of our nostalgia, but, um, I would be very interested to see kind of a remake of this. Um, just, just to see, I was going to say, because you know how sometimes they do have remakes and then there's the uproar of like, why are we remaking this? Like why ruin a classic? There's always going to be that conversation. Do we need another one? But I feel like this could benefit for another if done if done well. Yeah, if done well, there there's a lot here that you could like um change, you know, and yeah. make it. Oh, there's say. absolutely and I feel like there's even more like if it's remade now to see more feminist impact. And I mean, I know we hate when girls are pitted like girls and females are just just females in general are pitted against each other, which is absolutely this movie. There's no, you know, and of course, like some fresh friendships get stronger at the end or come full circle as we see with Julie and um, Fern. But um, there needs to be more of it. And I can see the right person could, could improve this in a way. And there was a quote that Darren Stein said, he said, it's, 
uh, it's a female dominated world. This movie is a female dominated world where the males are secondary characters or arm candy, where women have the power and their strength and their sexuality is celebrated, which is absolutely this movie because the men are secondary, right? And their friendships aren't surrounded, aren't like revolved around the men. They're just kind of toys. Well, and that brings up a really good point because when um, Fern is being introduced to everybody, um, Courtney and Marcy are like, oh, we need to get you a guy. This is before they, they do Zach. And Marcy's like, just one? It's like, yeah, we'll just start her out with one, you know, and then, then she can have more, you know? Right. And, and it was just like this casual thing. It was just like, yeah, yes. <laughs> Hooray. Yes. More of this. We, we, we like this. We like this. Um, so, yeah, I obviously, I like this movie. Jess, do you like this movie? I do like this movie. Yeah? I do like this movie. I ha- I don't know if I'm going to watch it a thousand times, but I can, I, I feel like now that I have even, a, I was able to look at it more constructively also and kind of pull the things that I wanted to talk about or just kind of touch on, I can, like, it could be like one of those, um, you know, when E does the, like, the movies we love and you have in the yeah. background. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, and like the time, you know, I love an, an hour and a half movie. This is perfect for that. Yeah. It was like what? Like 126, I think. 122 without the credits. Without the credits. The perfect, like, it's, it's just, a, it's a perfect, like, but we could go on and on about the 90 minute movie. Um, those are all my points, Jess. Do you have, do you have points? No, I no. mean, we already know. You would absolutely watch this again. Oh, yeah. I want to know, like, I want to hear from the listeners. Have they watched it? Are they, like, is it not something that was even on their radar? Because I feel like there's just a lot of movies from the 90s uh, and even, like, early aughts that there's just so much content out there. Even then, streaming wasn't always available and, like, rental places, you know, if the weekend you wanted it wasn't available and then you forget to go back the next weekend you know it's not it's not important anymore you know because even the production time you knew if a movie came out you weren't seeing it till a year later to like watch at home or order on demand or whatever so this came out in 99 so uh, listeners, I would like to know, like, if you were kind of young when you watched this, I would like to know how young you were, because I was pretty young. And Judy Greer has said that people come up to her and were like, I watched this when I was 13. And she's like, you were too young. <laughs> but I don't think that's young. I don't think that's, I think, you know, when you're in middle school, you're watching like the high school themed movies. And in high school, you're watching like the college and like movies that like, you know, age range in their 20s, because you're just... We're, we're so used to saying, like, when I grow up, when I grow up, when I'm older, and you think this is, you know, I mean, 13 going on 30 is a perfect version of that. It's like when I'm 30, I want to be like 30, flirty and thriving. That's all she wants when she's 13. And then she gets to 30 and she's like, this shit is not what I thought 30 was like at all. Oh, same. <laughs> like, yeah, same, same, <laughs> same. <laughs> so feel free to follow us on TikTok. We're at Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. And you could also follow us on Instagram, Akafe Podcast. And if you feel kind enough to share your reviews, please feel free to to give us five star ratings and give us your feedback on those those platforms. We love hearing from everybody. Please feel free to DM us and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.